With the first pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select DeAndre Ayton from Nassau, Bahamas, and the University of Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Brent's Broadcast. DeAndre Ayton, number one overall pick by the Phoenix Suns in the 2018 NBA Draft. He joins the list of illustrious number one picks in the NBA history, and we will now see how that pans out. We'll get to the rest of the picks in a minute, but I want to start with this, the top story of the draft, Michael Porter Jr., a top two prospect on ESPN's 100 in 2017 coming out of college, only played in three games at Missouri due to back and hip injuries, sliding all the way to number 14 in the NBA draft. Michael Porter Jr. was drafted by the Denver Nuggets at number 14, the 6'10 power forward, 210 pounds out of Mizzou, slid all the way almost out of the lottery to number 14 to Denver. Now, this was quite a shock because as I said, a top two in ESPN 2017 Top 100, Michael Porter Jr. was seen as a number one or number two pick in the NBA draft prior to this college basketball season. But he was sidelined with some bad injuries this year, allowing him to only play in three games. Most of those came toward the NCAA tournament time. Michael Porter Jr. got hurt at the very beginning of the season. So a lot of NBA scouts didn't get to see what they thought they would get to see out of him during the year simply for the fact that he could not play in games. That being said, Porter Jr. was no later than seven or eight on any mock drafts coming into last night's draft because although he didn't play in many games, we thought his injury history was going to be okay and his talent was ultimately going to get him still picked in the top ten. Now, he, he there was no chance he was going to get drafted in the top three just because the three guys who went in the top three had more promise with them than him because they had no injury history. But Michael Porter Jr.'s talent was still supposed to prevail him. However, Porter Jr. fell all the way to number 14, and whew, how did that happen? Well, I'll be honest with you, it's quite obvious that his injury issues are a lot more than we think they are. The Orlando Magic and Chicago Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers, for that matter, 6, 7, and 8, all had an opportunity to draft him and passed on him. Michael Porter Jr. easily was a part of those teams' boards going in, and I know for a fact that he was on the board of the Chicago Bulls. However, even while a Mohamed Bamba slid to number 6, the Bulls elected to pick Wendell Carter Jr., over Michael Porter Jr. And at that rate, we just assumed that he was going to get picked by the Cavs or some of the teams later, but the Cavs went the Colin Sexton route. And so what does this tell us about Michael Porter Jr.? Well, my first reaction is his injury medical records must show a lot more than we think they do. What do I mean by that? People are scared that he could be the next Brandon Roy, a high-talented basketball player who might be able to give you six or seven years of great basketball, but then ultimately their injury history just catches up to them and they can't go any longer. Brandon Roy played great years in the NBA for the Portland Trailblazers. 
He was a promising star at the two-guard position. And ultimately, teams knew he had knee issues coming in to his draft. But Portland drafted him anyway, and it looked like a great pick in the beginning, and it was. He played fantastic. He was a great talent. But nonetheless, his knees eventually just gave out on him, and he just wasn't healthy enough. And so I think teams were ultimately too worried about his history because, let's be honest, this is a back injury he's dealing with and a hip injury he's dealing with. These are not, this is not a hand that could heal and be fine for the rest of his career. This is not a sprained ankle. This is really serious. This is his back. And we've seen back issues with Dwight Howard. If you want to make another sports reference, we've seen back issues with Tiger Woods that have been lingering for years. Dwight Howard's back issues are lingering for years. And Porter Jr. is very young. And although he's, he's just a freshman coming out of college, a back and a hip are very central parts to the body that could lead to more issues down the line. If you have a strained back, that can lead to a lot of other issues. If you have weak hips, that could lead to issues in your knees. So I think a lot of teams were really worried about what Michael Porter Jr. will be able to do in terms of longevity. They say the greatest ability is your availability, and that's something he lacked more than anyone in this draft. Uh, in 2018, considering he only played three games. He lacked his availability more than anyone. And while his talent seemed like it would prevail, injuries are second to none. Because if you can't be on the court, then you can't play. Now, like I said, well, let's backtrack a little bit. So we all knew DeAndre Ayton was going to go number one. The center out of Arizona, I think this is a fantastic pick by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, with Devin Booker, the, well, Aiton calls it a Shaq and Kobe 2.0. I'm not going there yet. I'm not going there yet. It's way too early to say that because Aiton's not yet proven himself. Devin Booker is a young star in this league, but Aiton's got to get in there and get to work. He's got to get better defensively, um, and he just needs to be a big presence. That being said, I think this is a great pick by Phoenix. Uh, they've got a nice little roster that they're starting to form out as far as youth. The rebuild is looking pretty positive there. Um, so good pick. Marvin Bagley to the Kings, another great pick. The Kings, honestly, have a lot of young players on their roster. Some are going to make it to the future and some aren't. Uh, but pairing Marvin Bagley III as a potential star talent in this league, along with De'Aaron Fox, the shooting of Buddy Heald, and the interesting game of Bogdan Bogdanovich, who came over last year and played really well for the Kings. He's in the Rising Stars game, and he's a fantastic young player. Um, put Marvin Bagley at the four spot with Willie Cauley-Stein protecting the rim. I think it's a good outlook for the future there. Now, we had a little mix-up at number three because Luka Doncic was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks, but his rights were traded to the Dallas Mavericks, and that's the second biggest story of this draft, is the Mavericks gave up their next year's first pick, or two years in advance. I believe it was their 2021. They gave up a first pick of the future along with their number five pick, to the Atlanta Hawks in order for the Hawks to pick Doncic for them at number three. Jaron Jackson goes number four, and so then Trey Young goes number five by the Mavs, but he will be playing for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, that was a very interesting trade to me because the Hawks already have a point guard that they really liked, at least on the surface. I mean, Dennis Schroeder was seen as their point guard of the future when they let Jeff T go via trade. And so 
I thought that was an interesting move because Trey Young, a lot of, at least by the fans, and a lot of people are going to expect him to come in there and start, and they're going to expect this Steph Curry-like three-point shooter to come in and change the culture of Atlanta. And Dennis Schroeder might, he might not like that so much. I mean, this this might make for a little controversy in Atlanta because I don't see Trey Young playing the two spot. He's already bad defensively. He can't just switch over. He's not tall. He's not big enough for that. So, and, and neither is Schroeder for that matter. So we've got a little interesting point guard situation in Atlanta because they've traded away Luka Doncic in order to get Trey Young. And it also gives them a pick for next year, which is nice. But that being said, Doncic kind of fit into maybe something they needed. They, they like their big man, John Collins, they drafted last year. Dennis Schroeder was a nice young point guard. It would have been nice to get some wing depth and a playmaker like Doncic. But I guess Atlanta said they would rather have the assets to the future. And so they made a deal. And so now they get Trey Young. Now Dallas, on the other hand, I think this is a win for them. While for Atlanta, it's kind of a toss-up because if, if Trey Young pans out, it's going to be fantastic. If there's too much controversy, he doesn't play well, and Dennis Schroeder ends up starting anyway, then it's almost going to be like they wasted. They wasted the pick. They could have had they had Doncic should he pan out to be better than Trey Young. But Dallas, I think, gets a little bit of a steal here. And even if not a steal, they get exactly what they want. Because what a better situation for Luka Doncic to go to. You're going to a franchise with Dirk Nowitzki, arguably, and I think the best international player to ever play in the National Basketball Association. Luka Doncic has the type of expectations where they expect him to be that type of player, one of the best international players to ever play in the NBA. And what better player to learn from than Dirk Nowitzki? I think he's going to get in there. The Mavs definitely need a play need a playmaker on the wing. They thought they were getting that with Chandler Parsons a couple years ago. Um, they brought in Harrison Barnes, which is nice. But Luka Doncic should be able to fit in right next to them and give the Mavs another elite scorer and playmaker. So this is a fantastic get for the Mavs. I think it's a win for them. I think they're very excited about it. But Luka Doncic and Trey Young are going to be linked together for the rest of their careers because we are always going to evaluate who turned out better. So that was the second biggest splash of this draft. Mo Bamba ends up going six to the Orlando Magic. They get a rim-protecting big that I wasn't sure they needed, but he's definitely going to be better than uh, the centers they have now at rim-protecting. Um, so he goes there. Just a quick touch on Jaron Jackson at four. I think that was a great pick by Memphis. Um, I expected him to go there. It'll be interesting to see how much time he gets uh, with uh, Mark Gasol there, but it's possible they could play together. That might be a little too big for them, but maybe they'll have him play a little stretch four. I think he's more of a five, so we'll see. He'll probably be coming off the bench a lot uh, for Memphis, but he's definitely their center of the future uh, in Memphis. So um, Mo Bamba goes at six, and then Wendell Carter Jr. was picked by the Bulls at seven. So this is when we got into that Michael Porter Jr. range where we thought, okay, Mo Bamba went six. The Bulls are definitely taking MPJ at seven. Nope. They went with the big man, Wendell Carter Jr., which we know the Bulls wanted a big man to play alongside rising rookie from last year, Lowry Markkinen. And they got that in Wendell Carter Jr., a well-rounded big who can shoot. He's a really good rebounder. Solid post moves in the low post. And, and so he's, he's a complete player. But we really this is where we expected Michael Porter Jr. to come and play. So the Bulls pass. So you're like, okay, well, 
the Cavs are definitely going to take him, right? Well, no. Reports come out the Cavs are interested in Colin Sexton to come play point guard for him. So they draft Colin Sexton out of Alabama. And there, and so Michael Porter Jr. falls again. And at this point, I'm kind of like, okay, he's got to have some, there must be some serious injury issues. Two franchises who were very interested in, them, in him, the Bulls and the Cavs, passed on him. What could be wrong? So then at this point, New York's got the ninth pick. Everybody's expecting Michael Porter Jr. to go to New York. Knicks fans in the Barclays Center were begging for Michael Porter Jr., begging for him. And ladies and gentlemen, let's play the clip of the New York Knicks selection in the 2018 draft at the ninth pick. With the ninth pick in the 2018 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Kevin Knox from the University of Kentucky. Oh no! Oh, this is this is now guaranteed that Kevin oh, Knox is wow. going to have an All-Star NBA career because the Porzingis dudes are going thumbs down. Now, if you listen closely, you would have noticed the guy in the background saying, "Are you kidding me? How do you pass up on Porter?" Knicks fans everywhere were booing Kevin Knox, similar to Chris Dapp's Porzingis a couple years ago. Knicks fans were completely irate that they passed up on Michael Porter Jr. And now at this point, we know there's a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Porter Jr.'s medical records must be poor. They have to be. Because this is a top two talent a couple years ago. He was, he was up, he played high school against Marvin Bagley. People thought he was going higher than him. He would have been a pick over DeAndre Ayton on a lot of people's draft boards had he never gotten hurt. And then he's just fell, fell past the New York Knicks at nine. He has to have bad medical records. There's no other excuse for it. There's no other excuse for it. And so the draft continues, and the Sixers take Mikkel Bridges at number 10, who's eventually traded to the Suns. Shai Gilgis-Alexander goes at 11. Another small forward, Miles Bridges, is taken at 12. So other small forwards are being taken over him, both the Bridges. Jerome Robinson goes to the Clippers again at 13. And then... Michael Porter Jr. finally gets his time that he's been dreaming for. With the 14th pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. from the University of Missouri. All smiles now because once you're selected, the goal is just to produce. He'll have that opportunity, and we hope certainly that he's at full health. As you probably know, lower back surgery in late November. At that time, prior to the surgery, he was listed by our Jonathan Gavoni as the second overall pick. Clearly, there's some worry about his health. So that rounds up the lottery of the 2018 NBA draft. And to be honest with you, my initial reactions are, I think most of the teams picked exactly what they needed. Uh, I think there were a lot of good picks uh, in the top 14. Um, but here are my question marks. Here are my question marks from the lottery of the NBA draft. And we start with the Orlando Magic at number six. They drafted Mo Bamba. And here I think they drafted the best player available. But does it make sense for this team to go get a center when they already have Nick Vucevic on the roster? They already paid Bismack Biombo way more than he's worth. They already have Aaron Gordon there. Somebody's going to be unhappy. 
So you're going to have Mo Bamba on the roster, and ideally you think he should be the starting center. What does that mean for Vucevic? Vucevic was all-star talent a couple years ago. Does he slide to the four? He's got the shooting touch, but I think he's too big for that. He's not mobile. Bismack Biombo got overpaid last season in free agency, coming over from the Raptors. He was a good backup. Orlando paid him to be a starter. He wasn't good. What are you going to do, trade him? Nobody's going to take that contract. So now you've got Mo Bamba there, Nick Vucevic, and Bismack Biombo, all seven-footers, fighting for one spot. I don't understand Orlando taking a center here. I thought that they would get uh, a wing player or a point guard, but I guess that just shows a lot more about you know Michael Porter Jr. than we thought because you think he would be ideal here, but I wouldn't have been surprised to see a Colin Sexton go here or something. I, I get taking the best player available. That's obviously what Orlando was looking for in this moment. So I'm not saying this is a, a big problem, but these are my question marks in the lottery. That is my first question mark. What is Orlando going to do with all of these bigs? That's my first question mark. My second question mark, the Los Angeles Clippers. I just don't understand. They just paid Lou Williams, point guard size. Austin Rivers is going to pick up his last year on his contract because nobody else is going to give him that kind of money because he's not worth it. Point guard. They traded for Patrick Beverly from the Rockets last year, who's still on the roster under contract. Point guard. And then they go out and they draft Miles Bridges and trade that pick for Shai Gildress Alexander. Point guard. And then they got back-to-back picks. Oh, okay. They're going to they're gonna address another position, aren't they? You know, maybe get a DeAndre Jordan replacement. Uh, I don't know. Fill in some issues on the wings. They draft Jerome Robinson out of Boston College. And guess what position he plays? Point guard. The Clippers have more point guards on their roster than any other position. They're going to have like five plus point guards on their roster. I didn't even include the foreign point guard that they brought over from a couple years ago. Milos Teodosic. They brought him over to replace Chris Paul as a playmaker. Point guard. So the Clippers have six point guard sized players on their roster. I, that's a huge question mark to me. I mean, I, I'm not sure what Doc Rivers and these guys were thinking, um, but... Now it's just a big competition at the point guard position, and they didn't fill a single other need in the draft. I don't know why you would trade away Miles Bridges to Charlotte. I don't. I don't know why. I really just don't understand that. The Clippers have an array of point guards. You can, yeah, Lou Williams comes off the bench, but that's a big, big question mark to me. I'm not sure what the Clippers are going to do there. Obviously, some of these guys are going to have to get traded or cut from the roster because you can't play them all. The final question mark in the lottery is Colin Sexton. And not because I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a great player. I think he'd be a good fit. But many people are asking now, do they think Colin Sexton being drafted can keep LeBron James in Cleveland? And I'm here to say the answer is no. LeBron James is just as willing to leave today as he was yesterday. LeBron James is looking for veterans and people who can get him to a championship now. Does Colin Sexton make the Cavs beat the Warriors? Absolutely not. So LeBron James will be just as willing to leave in free agency. He will decide where he goes based off of where he can win unless 
it is overruled by a lifestyle decision. So Colin Sexton will have nothing to do with LeBron James' free agency decision. That is very clear. Now, before we wrap up, I want to switch roles to this. Dwight Howard was traded for the second year in a row at the beginning of the NBA offseason, on the same day, actually, the 20th of June. What are the odds of that? Dwight Howard this time was traded from the Charlotte Hornets to the Brooklyn Nets for Timothy Mozgov and two future second-round picks. And according to league sources now, the Nets and Dwight Howard will negotiate a buyout so Dwight Howard can become a free agent this summer. Great trade by the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets screwed up their team a few years ago when they traded for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry, thinking they could get a championship by pairing those veterans with Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez. Looked great on paper. Looked great. They had no chance. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry, they were all washed up. That team had no chance of winning a championship, and they gave up all of their first-round picks of the future to Boston, and they've been in the dumpster ever since. But now, with this Dwight Howard trade and the buyout and his contract expiring after this year, the Nets have allowed for themselves to have two max contract vacancies for next summer of 2019. They're going to have the cap space to go after big names like Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard if he doesn't sign this year, and more. The Nets put themselves in a great position to make themselves competitive in the league because this league has changed. You cannot now just have one great player on your roster, one max player in your roster surrounded by role players. The age of super teams is here and it's here to stay. And the Nets put themselves in a great position to go after two superstars next year. Will they come? Who knows? But they got themselves in a position to do so, and that's what matters. As for Dwight Howard, let's be very clear. Dwight Howard needs to prioritize going to a team that is competitive now. He has passed the time in his career where he needs to worry about going to a team where he can be the man. Because Dwight Howard is not the man anymore. Not in today's NBA. A center is not leading your team. Not a traditional one. So Dwight Howard, there are a lot of thoughts out there. He might go to the Warriors. That could be a good move. He could fit in. He could get to a championship. It might be a good ending to his career. I think that's a place where he wouldn't have much pressure. I think that's the type of move he needs to make. Now, you might frown at that, but it doesn't have to be the Warriors. I just think Dwight needs to go to a team where he can fit in and focus on making them better in a role rather than being the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces. He needs to be a second. He needs to be a third role right around there. So a team like the Portland Trailblazers with Damian Little and CJ McCollum, those are their stars. Dwight could come there, be an upgrade from Yusuf Nurkic. And he can play a role in there for good defense, rebounding toughness, energy. Dwight Howard would fit in a place like that where he can come in, play for a playoff-ready team, and focus on making them better, getting them over the hump. I'm sure the Milwaukee Bucks will be in consideration considering they've been desiring an upgraded center. But these are the types of teams Dwight Howard should consider. Playoff contending teams. Don't mess this up by going somewhere where you can't win. Because let's be honest, Dwight, this is the last time that you're going to have a chance to be in free agency and get a half-decent contract. Because if it doesn't go well this time, then it's over. So Dwight, please prioritize going to a team where you can fit in a role. Go to a team where you fit and where you can help them get over a hump 
rather than a team where the pressure is on you to be a centerpiece. Dwight, you need to make the right move this time around. Otherwise, everyone's just going to look at your career as in the man who wrecked himself when he left the Orlando Magic. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude today's podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in to Brent's Broadcast, the podcast. We'll see you next time.